Before San Jose, I was in Vacaville. Before Vacaville, I was in Norwalk, always here in California. I prayed this year. I said, Lord, I'd like to have 10 more years. 10 more years. Now, I don't want to sound, I don't want this to appear to be boastful or of, of any bit proud, although it might come across that way. I would love to be able to say I've been pastoring for 50 years. That's my desire. I'd like to be 10 more years. Ten, Lord willing, be more than that, but I'm praying for 10. 10 more. I share that because it doesn't seem that long ago, Brother Getch, that I sat in a Bible college. It's very similar to this, just like you. And if you would have told me 50 years later where I'd be, I'd say, boy, I don't, I don't know if God could do that. God could use you if you would just stay close to the Lord, stay close to his word, and stay close to your spouse or your spouse-to-be. Lord willing, and the God tarries his, Lord tarries his coming. Then 50 years from now, you're going to be saying, I've been serving the Lord for 50 years. 50 years. With that in mind, I open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 23. Oh, I love music. The, the trio did an outstanding job tonight, this afternoon. That was just, that was marvelous. I love music. I especially love to hear children sing. Oh, children just bless my heart. The little ones, the grandkids now, they start singing. But they, they hear songs, but they don't always sing the right words. I don't know if you've noticed that. I don't know. They don't always sing the right words. Um, then we, they sing in the church, Our God reigns. You're familiar with that. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And it goes on. The little boy, he was singing that song. He loved it. But he got the wrong words. He was singing, I got brains. I got brains. I got brains. Some of you need to pick up that song. That would be helpful a little bit. A little bit. But when I was a little boy, when I was just a little boy, there was one song that we sang in church that I loved because I thought they were singing about me. It was the greatest. You see, my name is Stanley. Now, I go by Stan Smith. The only one that really calls me Stanley would be my wife or my mother or when I'm in trouble. That's the only time I get called that. But I used to hear this song, and I thought they were singing all about me. They'd have the church would stand up, and they'd open up their songbooks, and they'd sing, Stanley on the Promises of God. I loved it. I thought, oh, this is the most wonderful song I've ever heard. Stanley on the Promises. Tonight, this afternoon, I want to preach on this subject of standing on the promises of God. Here in Joshua chapter 23... I want to read a verse, but before I read the verse, I want to give just a little bit of setting. Joshua is 110 years old. He's coming to the end of his life. He knows that death is at hand. He calls for the elders of Israel to come. They surround him. They're all around him, and I don't know if, if Joshua's laying on a bed. I don't know. I don't know how strong his voice is. 
But I do know he's about to die. But before he dies, he wants to leave them with one word of encouragement. And it's the same encouragement that I want to leave with you this morning. It's found in chapter 23 and verse number 14. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in your souls that not one thing hath failed. Of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you, all are come to pass unto you. And not one thing hath failed thereof. What is Joshua telling to the people? He's saying, listen, everything that God said, he's done. He did it. He has not failed. If he said he was going to do something, he did it. He says, Joshua's 110 years old. He was one of the 10 spies, 12 spies that went to spy out the land. And we know that Joshua and Caleb are going to bring back a positive report. And, and let's, God has promised the land. Let's go take it. But the other ten, somehow they, they convince all the congregation of Israel to say, Nope, we can't do that. I know God promised, but we can't do that. And they convince the people not to go. And for 40 years, they're going to wander in the wilderness. 40 years. Joshua has seen the trials. He's seen the tribulations. He's seen the the, the, the difficult times. He was there with the deliverance from, from Egypt. He has been in a place of training. He's been in a place of responsibilities. And he's been in a place of leadership. And he stands before him and says, listen... Everything that God said he would do, he did. He's done it. You see, Joshua was there when he stood beside Moses as Moses stretched forth his rod and the the waters of the Red Sea stood up in heaps. Joshua marched through that Red Sea on dry ground. He was there as he he turned back to look and he saw the the Egyptians pursuing after them. He watched as Moses removed his rod and the waters came together and all of the Egyptians and their horses and their chariots drowned in the Red Sea. The Lord says, you'll see him no more. Joshua, Joshua partook of the manna that fell from heaven. He tasted it. He ate it. Oh, the thirst of Joshua was quenched as he he drank water that gushed from the rock. Joshua was there. He tasted it. Joshua was part of the, the, the leader of Israel as they marched through the promised land. And when they come to the walls of Jericho and, and they march around the city, Joshua saw the walls fall flat. Joshua says, marvelous and wonderful things has the Lord done in my sight. Joshua remembers that the the clothes that the children of Israel never wore out. Their feet never swelled. 
Joshua has, quite literally, he has seen everything. He's seen it all. And he's come to the end of his life. And he says, not one thing hath failed. Not one. He says, God has been good. Now I stand before you this morning. You're looking up at me and I'm just a little old man with white hair. But if I could echo the words of Joshua today, I want to encourage you. What God says he'll do, he'll do it. He'll do it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Our God is a good God. Now, he's not good because I'm anything special. You're not anything special. Israel was not anything special. They weren't more in number than anyone else. They weren't smarter than everyone else. They, they didn't have more talent or, or abilities than anyone else. Simply because God chose them because he loves them. And I want you to know this morning, God loves you and he has chosen you. And he has ordained you to go and bring forth fruit. John chapter 15. And so, standing on the promises of God. Would, would you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4? I want you to see some verses this morning. Romans in chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 is probably, one of these verses I want to share with you, is probably one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. Now, I know that sometimes people say, what's your favorite verse? To be honest, my favorite verse is whatever's happening that day. It changes. My favorite verse can change from day to day. It can change from hour to hour. I mean, it changes. It just changes. This is my favorite verse now. But this has for a long time been one of my favorite verses I love to quote. What's happened here in Romans chapter 4, God has told Abraham, you're going to have a son. Remember that? God says you're going to have a son. And he and Sarah are going to laugh. They think, this is pretty humorous. This is funny. We're old. We're, we're well stricken in age, in years. And God says, you're going to have a son. But notice verse 21. I tell you, this is my verse. Abraham says, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You see, Abraham was fully persuaded. He was absolutely confident that what God said he'll do, he'll do it. You see, when the Lord says, I will build my church, he means it. And he allows and he desires to use us. To use you, to use me. To use those that would surrender their heart and lives to him. But he says, fully persuaded, what God has promised. He's able also to perform. Look at first, uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, verse number 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, <laughs> amen, under the glory of God by us. For all the promises of God are yea and amen. If you would, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter in chapter 1. 
Simon Peter, a servant of an apostle, servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have, have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace be unto you, be both, uh, be, grace, be, uh, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says, we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. Now, there's lots of promises. My goodness, some of you, you, you bought uh, Herbert Lockyer's books or, or his, all the men of the Bible, all the women of the Bible, all the promises of the Bible. I'm sure you probably have, have purchased that or one day you will. And, uh, but the promises of God, there are many. They're, they're exceeding great, he says. Of all the promises of God that he's made to me, the greatest, the greatest is when he said, whosoever will call upon me can be saved. Amen. I'm going to be honest. I've been serving the Lord. I've been, I've been, people say, I've been going to church all my life. I mean, I've been going to church all my life. In fact, I've been going to church all my life plus nine months before I was born. I've been going to church. I've, I've, I've always been in church. But of all the promises that God has declared, and of all the promises that I've read, the most wonderful and the dearest one to me is that He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. This I know. There's not a day. There's not a day that passes that I don't thank God for saving my soul. May you never get over that promise. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, come unto me, all you that uh, labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Oh, God promised that whosoever would call upon him can be saved. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the the, the language of your tongue. It doesn't matter who you are. We've got people in America that are protesting all kinds of things. Now, I'm going to be honest. I believe people have a right to say what they want to say. But just because I have a right to say something doesn't mean that it's right to say. Or just because I have a right to do something doesn't mean I'm right to do it. They're protesting all the wrong kind of things. We serve a God who loves us and desires that everyone would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm speaking to a a group of, of young people who have probably already received Christ, but there may be one that's never, never invited Christ. Or maybe you've just been pretending. There's a lot of pretenders in the church. I've been pastoring for some years, 40 years now. I've seen lots of pretenders. They pretend to love the Lord, but in truth, they really don't. They pretend to be given all this, making this great sacrifice, but, but they're really kind of keeping back. 
Maybe you've been here and you're, you've been at West Coast Baptist College. You've been here for a month, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever we've been here. And you've been pretending. God loves you. He desires to save you. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe the greatest doctrine in the Bible is the doctrine of salvation. I believe the second greatest doctrine in the Bible is the promise of eternal life. Oh, my goodness. He's promised not only to save me, but to keep me. To keep me. To present me, to, to present me, to keep me from falling, to present me faultless before his presence with glory and exceeding joy. He says in Romans chapter 8, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when God saved me, he promised to keep me. I didn't save myself, and I can't keep myself. It's all by the power of God, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, who are kept by the power of God through salvation. And so God has promised. He's promised to save me. He's promised to keep me. He's promised to give me victory in this world. You see, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can have the victory over this, over this, over this world and, and over sin and over the flesh if I would just submit unto Him. Just submit to the Lord. God has promised to supply all my needs. Philippians 4.19 He's promised. Some of you are sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I've, I've got some needs. I've got a financial need. I've got a, I, I need a job. I, I, need, I, I need help with my grades. I need help with my classes. I, I need help. God has promised to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He says, are you discouraged? He says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. Oh, God has promised to give us victory. He's promised to encourage us in times of discouragement. Probably one of the greatest times of discouragement in the life of David is when he and his men had been out doing battle and they returned back to their homes only to find out that their home has been destroyed and burnt to the ground. Their wives and their children have been taken captive. It says that, that David and the men, they began to weep till they could weep no more. You ever been in a place like that? You weep and you weep and you can't weep anymore. It says that David was sorely distressed. But then it says in that verse, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. You see, maybe you're here today and you just need some encouragement. The Lord says, I can give you that. I, I, I've, been, I've been lonely. I've been away from home. I, I missed my parents. I missed my brother. I missed my sister. May, may I add just a minute? I've had my, young, my children have all grown and gone to college. Now they have their own families. But if you didn't miss home, then something's wrong. You should miss home. When my children call and say, boy, I miss home, I say, hey, man, I'm glad they miss me. As opposed to saying, I don't care if I ever go back again. No, they don't want that. You should miss home. That's, that's part of life. It's just part of growing up. 
But you say, I'm lonely. I haven't made a, I've got a few friends, but I don't have a lot. The Lord says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He promised. He promised. He's promised to take care of my needs. I love what the psalmist said in, in Psalm, oh, what psalm is it? It's in Psalm, um, Psalm, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. And yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God will take care of you. I love that song. I don't know if you sing that hymn around here. It's a wonderful song, dear to my heart. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide. God will take care of you. He's promised. He's promised. And it's time for us to stand upon the promises of God. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in the Lord. Be strong. Be strong in the power, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Not your own strength, but in the Lord's strength. Stay close to the Lord. No matter what happens, keep the Lord first. Stay close to your Bible. Stay close to your word. I, I like carrying my Bible. Take my Bible everywhere I go. Sometimes people say, what kind of church is Liberty Baptist Church? Liberty Baptist Church is a church you bring your Bible to. That's what kind of church we are. You bring your Bible to it. There's a lot of churches. You don't do that anymore. Stay close to the Lord. Stay close to your, the Bible. Stay close to the Word. And then stay close to your family. Stay close to your, 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 your husband or your wife or your husband or wife-to-be. Stay close to them. I guarantee you, listen, if you'll do those three things, if you'll do those three things, 50 years from now, Lord willing, you'll be standing, you'll be speaking to a bunch of young people just like you. And you're going to be able to say, like Joshua said, I'm going the way of all the earth. And I want you to understand a great truth. Not one thing has failed. God will keep his word. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. I told you I'm a short preacher. But tonight, this morning, God is speaking to your heart in a special way. Young people are making their way to the altars. Some are kneeling right where they are. But don't ever forget, we serve a God who keeps His word. His promises are yea and amen. 